Amen. Amen. So as people continue to join in, uh, we are going to proceed um, and we are sharing from Second Samuel and we are starting tonight with the 15th chapter, Second Samuel 15. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give folk a minute to find that second chapter 15, and some of you all might have been reading ahead. Anyhow, let me let me begin by stating something uh, again. You know, tonight is part three of what I entitled God has been good to you. God has been good to me. God has been good to us. And the reason why I, I, I it's, this is worth repeating, I think, the reason why I'm saying this is that if we look, as we go through some difficult, and I had spoken about this uh, a few weeks ago when we started up again after the summer break, when we look at um, the difficulties at this period, anyhow, in life that David is going through, you may scratch your head and say, wow, how is he blessed? Well, if you would look at it from David's point of view, he, may, he would be the first one to tell you that God has been good to him in spite of all that is He's going through, and, and and I hope we'll be able to pick up on this more and more as we complete the next uh, several lessons. Uh, so, um, chapter fifteen. It happened afterward that Absalom made himself a chariot with horses and fifty men running before him. These are the advanced people that go before royal people and today presidents and other leaders. They literally ran before the chariot, just like we have motorcycles, we have other things that, for instance, when the president of this country is traveling, they, they ride before him. And that's, uh, or her, one of these days, uh, and that's for extra protection. Um, and this is, a, like I said, a very ancient custom, and this is in the time of horses and chariots. So you would have um, uh, not necessarily people and horses, but men running, literally running before um, the uh, chariot, before whatever that uh, royal person was riding in or that important person was riding in. Uh, you know, uh, there's the, the passages in the, in, the, in, 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 in the scripture that Lucy had and Isaiah speaks about keeping up, being able to contend with people uh, running before 
a chariot or horses or whatever the king may be riding on. So these are a crude analogy, uh, secret service people. When it says there that he, he made himself, you know, a, a, a better understanding would be he, he got he, he got a chariot made for him. There's some implication here suggesting, of course, that he's acting in a very, he's a prince, of course, probably in line to be um, take over from David, but it kind of it just sounds and looked like he's making himself uh, more important than a prince. And as a matter of fact, indeed it was, as we will see as we go along. In verse 2, Absalom used to rise early in the morning and he stood beside the road at the gate. At the gate, uh, that expression will mean uh, an important place, uh, a place where people gathered. And to this day, that um, that custom is still in many, many places, um, whether it's a market gate or the gate outside the uh, palace or something like this. This probably will be an entrance close to the palace, as we will see as we go along, because people were gathering there to uh, get audience with the king, bringing their complaint to David for them, for David to rule on it. And of course, just like in today's court, uh, one side or would have a contention and, and maybe another side had a different uh, argument, but um, the king, you know, uh, David, uh, whoever the king was at the time, and this practice was in many, many countries, and um, that's where the king, who often act as a judge, uh, would make a decision. Um, that's why to, to this day, even today's, you know, the, the, being a judge carry a lot of weight. Uh, and you can see where all this came from over the many years of human history. Uh, one of, in one of our first travels to, to Africa, uh, we went to, uh, Ghana. And we were privileged to wait outside the gate, so to speak, and watch people come there with their complaint. A lot of times uh, the dispute was handled outside, never even got inside. Um, people acted as in-between or whatever um, uh, would be outside trying to resolve things and sometimes asking for fee and so forth and so on. So, in a sense, what Absalom was doing uh, outside his gate, uh, asking people where they were from, saying to them, yeah, if, 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 
if I were judging this, I would judge it in your favor or judge it differently. I don't think that David is uh, doing a good job, you know, being a judge. Um, we would say in today's uh, talk, uh, and that it may be mild, uh, what he was doing is bad mouthing his father. But the truth is that he was more than bad mouthing him. He was, um, yeah, I don't know this as a fact. You will get the impression that David spent his life as a warrior and that maybe there was more strength in, in being a, a, a warrior than he was in a judge. I don't know. Um, the Bible don't really indicate that, but let's use that for the discussion point that um, oftentimes we have to look at the scripture. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look at others. We have to look at world situation, domestic situation. The sense of reality doesn't mean that David could not exercise the, the, um, the, uh, his position as a judge fairly. Doesn't mean he didn't have talent. He may have been better than most people, uh, more than likely better than Absalom. You know, David wasn't, as we would say, nobody's fool. But besides that, the people who would act as lawyers, so to speak, uh, advisors to the king, advisors to the ruler. So it's not that David was just uh, there all by himself. And he was a novice and all of this. And uh, no, there's there's more to it than that. There's more to what Absalom is pursuing. Like I says, in a sense, he's able to do that because. Even in today's culture, in many places, um, you have these people literally standing outside the courthouse or the the municipal uh, building that, that take care of civil matters and so forth and try to get people's um, birth certificate corrected and try to do all kinds of stuff. And then uh, in one in 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 in, in, um, in some countries that they, they, they're called mango trees lawyers. They literally stand under the tree outside the municipal office or the judge's chamber or whatever it would be, and um, we try to resolve um, things uh, for people sometimes for a fee. And uh, they go inside and talk to the officials and so forth and uh, work things out or get paperwork done on all kind of stuff. Uh, people uh, incorrect information on their birth paper um, done or, or, or people get a birth certificate or whatever. And have a, you know, I, even to this day, uh, people, as a, me as a minister, people have come and 
you know, some problems, civil, civic problems and so forth. And you can approach officials and you can, and officials are happy if they're able to look into people's matter, get it resolved, because it's so difficult many times for people to to go to these places and they're and they're overwhelmed by all the, what we call the red tape and so forth and so on. So I let's I I, I think I've tried to to, to establish this uh, that Absalom being outside there wasn't necessarily a wrong thing, even if he spoke to some people about their cases. But as we look more and more into it, it seems that Absalom had an, had, had an ulterior motive. I want to say that to you because people might say, well, how come he, David allowed this? Well, David, very patient person, as we have seen. Second, he's, he's very considerate. Third, he loved his children, and he loved Absalom. Even Absalom uh, having to run away and spent time away and finally came back. So even though David may, be, may have been keeping an eye on him, and David certainly does not ever appear to be anybody's fool, uh, at the same time, he gave, he gave, he probably gave him some rope. He probably kind of let him loose a little bit. But again, the scripture, I think, is clear. If we look at verse, uh, let's, let's go back to verse number two. Absalom used to rise early in the morning and stood beside the road at the gate. I tried to explain that stuff about gate. Anyone who had a legal dispute to bring to the king for judgment, Absalom would call him and say, him because, you know, in that time, in that world, it was men who had the right to go in and talk. Where are you from? He would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel and from here and from there. He's more than making conversation. He's trying to get different people from different tribes, you know, to get to know him and sympathize with him, you know. And in that sense, yes, uh, he bad-mouthed his father. But if you look at verse 3, then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but for you there's no hearing with the king. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that someone would appoint me to judge in the land, and anyone might come to me who had a legal dispute or a case, and I would give him justice. Now, just like today, a judge doesn't have to hear every case that's brought before him or her. And today, of course, we have female judges. So anybody can second guess, you know, somebody else's decision or, or, or declension or making, declining, making a decision. So apparently the people who Absalom, Absalom is speaking to are the people who case never really got to court to begin with. 
And, you know, he, I guess he was free to ex express his opinion, so forth and so on. But it went a little bit beyond uh, bad-mouthing, as we see in verse number four. And Absalom would say, Oh, that someone would appoint me as a judge in the land, that anyone might come to me and had a legal dispute, had a legal dispute or case, and I would not give him justice. At this time, they were monarchy, and the king is a judge. Uh, very unusual uh, and uh, definitely unorthodox uh, to have someone judging, uh, like in the time of judges or any other time when there was no formal king and in Israel, the people could, wouldn't and couldn't, or they shouldn't anyhow, take it upon themselves to be judging uh, cases, uh, resolving disputes, or making that kind of decision. You, you need to have the, the that kind of power that people accept and obey and follow whatever decision uh, the person who is judging would make. Now, I, I, I want to stop here for a minute and add this. The reason why I can see David and understand David and can almost hear him saying to himself, it doesn't sound, I'm putting it mildly, that what Absalom is doing is kosher. Uh, he's probably uh, undermining me and undermining my rulings and whatever it is. He's probably seeking power for himself. There is no question about that. He's seeking power for himself. It's all about Absalom. It's not about the people. It's not about his father. It's not about him trying to help his father. That's why his father kept him close, but still on the peripheral. But I can hear, as I was saying before, David saying, in spite of all of that, God has been good to me. God is good to me. The thing that impresses me with David and sink into my mind always is that if David wasn't a devout follower of God, if he wasn't a loyal follower of God, if he was one of those kings who came later on after David that were so terrible, didn't care about the people, didn't care about God, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if he were like that, he may have still have Absalom in his family. In other words, things, and I may have said this before, but I need to repeat it again, things go wrong in your life, even as you serve God. But the, the thing is, and this is, Something I really, really am trying to, to be emphatic about as we go through this portion of David's, uh, you know, history, 
is that what would it have been like? What would it have been like for David if he wasn't so much a devoted person to God? You know, uh, how would he effectively have dealt with Absalom and other folk? Because there was a lot of bad dudes around in David's family and outside of David's family and in the population itself. Later on, we're going to see some Saul family show up. So problems were there. Challenges were there. But David knew God. He served God. He was loyal to God. And that's why I say God has been, has been good to you because you know you've been through some real, real difficult situation. Maybe you still are, and sometimes these things happen and they go away. If they come back, you know God, and that's what makes the difference. How eventually God himself deal with Absalom? What... How does God resolve all this? And lots of time is out of our preview. Lots of time is beyond, beyond our scope of, of understanding. But God remains faithful and good to us. In verse 5, it happened whenever anyone drew near to the obedience, uh, the obedience to him, you know, they kind of listened to him. And he would stretch his hand and take the hold of them and kiss them. A real diplomatic uh, hypocrite, so to speak. Verse 6, Absalom did not like this, did like this to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Oh, yes. Yes, people can be easily led. People's memory are short. And these are the same people who are shouting and, and, and praising God and thanking David for defeating their enemies over and over and over again. What have you done for me lately? And I know that many of us have experienced that. It must have been very hard for David because even though it's not necessarily stated here, it has to be understood. Kings always have, I want to say spy, but or informant, but there are people who are looking out for the king, and I'm sure that a lot of this stuff got back to David. Some of them are very careful, though, as we'll see later on. In spite of everything, Absalom was, was still David's son, and David was very protective of his children. 
I have written many, many years ago, and I've kind of spoken about this a little bit. A challenge is to say, uh, did David, in a sense, spoil his kids? I don't know. Sometimes I am, I can see a little bit of it there. But he loved his, his children. I want to say something here. I thank God for all God-fearing people, men and women. I thank God for those in spite of hardship and difficulties just continue to serve him. But you know, look at the metaphor here. Look at the parallel here. Look at the, look at the uh, irony in all of this. When we, when we, and I've written about this, when we, when we say, well, maybe David spoiled his children. I, I don't know. But one thing I clearly see, when we say that David put up with a lot, Absalom and other family members, when we say that, Maybe we just ought to remember and we ought to pray about how much God put up with us. How much God loves us in spite. How much God regards us as Jesus' brothers and sisters, how much God seemingly uh, describing him in human terms is patient with us. The scripture said that over and over, his mercies endure forever. And uh, how much God, and this is not, this is just a way of speaking, but how much God overlooked, you know, that's what mercy is, Over, overlook all the things that we have said and we have done. So, we have been blessed by God. God has been good to us. Maybe we're only 1% Absalom or 5% Absalom or 10% Absalom, but doesn't matter. God been good to us in spite of everything. So, next week we're going to start at verse number seven. Uh, please tell other people about what we're sharing. Uh, we thank God for those who are online. We thank God for those who are on the telephone. We thank God for all those who are picking up the broadcast later on. Oh, God has been so good to us. And just let somebody know that every Thursday night we're here.